0: Hey everyone, this is X O'Connor and you are listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. Hope all of you had a very Merry Christmas. We are coming at you with another recording live from our last songwriting retreat. We've got a lovely man named Tim Timmons joining us today. Tim is a phenomenal songwriter and artist. You might know him from a little song that he co-wrote with the band Mercy Me called Even If... And I've got to say, Tim's one of the most inspiring speakers I've ever heard. We've had a lot of great speakers at our events. And Tim, for me, is probably my favorite. Not that I'm picking favorites, but Tim was definitely my favorite. I can't wait for you guys to hear this because what he spoke on was just absolutely moving and extremely powerful. So you guys are going to love this episode. I don't want to take up too much of your time before we get into it, but just a few things. If you guys are watching on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, leave us a like, leave us some comments below. We'd love to hear what you guys think of the show. Always trying to make it better. If you're on iTunes, make sure you're subscribing as well you know, leave us a rating and a great review. We'd love to hear from everybody. Also, since this was recorded at our last songwriting retreat, if you want to know how to get involved with these events, we've got a bunch of them coming up in 2018. There's a lot of big things happening in 2018. To keep up with all of it, head over to fullcirclegoeslive.com. Register for our mailing list. We'll keep you up to date on everything going on in our world, especially these retreats and these little boot camps that we have going on coming up in 2018. Also, in a couple of weeks towards the end of January, we're reaching our 100th episode. We're going to have a special event happening for that and a lot of big changes coming. You guys are going to love it. We are so excited to roll it out for you. Also, follow us on Instagram at Official FC Music to keep up with all the day-to-day activities we've got going on. But that's enough from me. Let's jump into this episode with Tim Timmons live from our songwriting retreat.
1: It was eight years ago that uh, people always ask me, how did you get signed? How'd you, how'd you do it? And I say, well, you're not gonna like my answer. And every time I say, well, I think you just need to give up. And I like, great, okay, well, let's take an offering and we're done. You know, It's just like, but eight years ago I, I realized that I was a varsity American Christian, better than most people that I knew. If you wanna like do a Bible drill, I'll probably win. Like I'm I was awesome, you know? <laughs> and I found that at the end I was a worship leader at a ginormous church in California, and I was exhausted. My soul was exhausted. I was trying to get my songs out there so people in Nashville or somebody would see it at some point, you know? So I'd win these songwriting contests all over the place and these worship conferences, they'd say, hey, let's do a contest, and I kept winning those. It was really like, you guys, don't you see? Nashville, don't you see labels? That you should totally sign me, you know? And crickets kept chirping, and I was exhausted. My soul was so tired because I was pining for everything but what I was supposed to be pining for, you know? I realized that my atheist neighbor was just as soul-tired as I was. And I'm like, aren't I supposed to be the guy with, like, the answers? Like, I had Jesus, and I've got this. I'm a Christian, right? But I was still soul-tired. That's when I think Jesus asked me to burn my Letterman jacket, my varsity American Christian Letterman jacket. And I wrote this song with one of my favorite writers, Janine, you No. Know, Allie Dahlgren, Allie Rogers, and it was actually one of my first one of my first co-writes in Nashville because I've been writing here for about ten years now. And I sat in this room with Allie, and Allie was really. It was our first co-write, and you walk in this room, and all I know is all I can read is she's like, "Oh, uh, another Christian." <laughs> that was just the feel that she was putting off, like, "Oh, worship leader, please, this is going to be the most cliché time of my entire week right here," you know. I just felt it forever. And we just started talking and wrestling through things. And, and that's been my prayer, right? Your strength. That my kingdom was so dumb. Like what a waste of my entire life. Like trying to polish it up, trying to protect it, trying to like show people, hey, you guys, you see how cool this is? Like check out this, you know. My whole life was like building my own kingdom. What a waste. So this prayer that I didn't even know what I was praying really with Allie while we were writing the song became a life prayer that has been changing every part of me. When I'm saying, okay, I'm done being awesome. I'm done trying to get everybody to check me out. I'm done. It's like it got me nowhere. So Jesus, if you want to open doors, you can. So when I say give up, I'm saying give up your kingdoms and your queendoms and seek first the kingdom of And he seems to work things out because if the king knows what's best for his kingdom, then he probably knows what's best for you and me. It was just this like mind-blowing moment of going, oh, you mean I don't have to hump everything that walks to try to get what I think I want, you know? And so I quit. I quit trying to be awesome. I quit trying to get all these Nashville to check out my songs. and, And I ended up, living this life for a few years going, okay, Jesus, I'm done working for you. I'm literally done. I don't want to work for you anymore. It was too tiring. I just want to hang out with you and that's it. And whatever happens out of that, awesome. And so that's kind of what I started living and writing this in my wrist every day going, hey, just live as as though this is true. Jesus is at work in all things. So I wrote all these songs and then all of a sudden I did a record with a guy named Paul Mabry who's a great drummer and producer and friend. And then every label in Nashville said, hey Tim, hey buddy, you wanna talk? I'm I... now? I w- I'm done with it, I don't need you people anymore for my own soul and for my own kingdom because my kingdom's stupid. And so I ended up signing with Provident, um, which is a label here in town, and doing two records with them and Jesus keeps opening up doors which is pretty amazing. And so when I say give up, that's what I mean. I I mean, it's like, Jesus, you obviously probably know what's best for me and my soul and for these songs that we write this weekend. Jesus knows what's best for those. The best way, the best thing for his kingdom, he's gonna do something with for that, if that makes sense. It just like takes the, the pressure off to go, man, if we wrote a good song today, awesome. If it wasn't, we're like friends now. How cool is that? And we figured stuff out, and I learned more things. And it's just so much more freeing. And I think that's more the Jesus way versus, I don't know, just trying to be a good Christian music artist. Like, what a waste. Really, it's a waste of our one and only life. I'm married to a total babe of 20 years. She's not 20 years old, but we've been married for 20 years. And uh, we have four kids, really cute kids. Feels like Five. And let's see, now it's 16 years ago, I was given five years to live. The doctor said, you, you have stage four cancer, and tumors are kind of all over the place, and you got five years. I'm like, okay, well, this is going to change things, you know? And that was 16 years ago. And I had surgeries and all these different things, and, and people wanted me to share my story. And my story is not cancer. That's the dumbest story that's ever been. My story is perspective through this S show that we call cancer, right? Just like that is not who you are or that is not your story. That is The story is the perspective that we walk through these things as if God is in control and at work in all things. And I'm giving you this context because I think it's more important than like how to write a song. Because with great context and with a great foundation, then man, these songs will flow, and they 're going to flow from the right place, and your motivation will be in the right spot, because you know you can go on the internet to learn how to write a great song. you know, I do. I check out this stuff all the time, like how did they learn that? but there's something different about coming to this stuff with a posture that's different from everybody else, and it 's just walking with jesus so I think this, I've called cancer the gift of cancer for me. And the gift of cancer is perspective. The gift of losing somebody in the dumbest of ways, in the most beautiful of ways, is perspective. We've all gone through stuff. And if you're not, wait a week, it's coming, you know? And the gift in it is perspective. And as songwriters, and I would say in our context, I love sport writing. Sport writing, a friend of mine in California is a Disney writer, Disney writer, And he wrote like High School Musical and all that stuff. He's awesome. But he calls all that stuff sport writing, which I appreciate. And I love sport writing, which just means I love writing country. I love writing pop. It is so good for us to like mix it up and find different things and try new things because it really will take us out of our comfort zone, which well done for all of you being here, by the way. Really, really awesome. But I love sport writing. But I think this is more in the context of, of prayers I would say, I would say most of what I do is I'm writing prayers these days. I don't really call them songs, I call them prayers. Whether it's on the radio or whether it's just in my own house when I need to remember who I am, that's a prayer. Or if it's a song that we're all gonna corporately sing together, that these are all prayers. So that's how I see songs in this space is I see them as prayers. And so every time I'm writing these songs, one of the main questions that I'm asking, especially worship leaders as I travel is, hey, what do your people need to pray? What do you need to pray? And then what do your people need to pray? And speaking of all sons and daughters, that's one of the things I love about them so much is that that all came out of them just asking that question, really. It's like, we're just gonna write songs that our people need to pray and then all of a sudden stuff blew up. But it's just a cool posture to start out with instead of I'm going to write an amazing CCLI hit right now, you know. It just matters. It matters how we do these things. I hear an awful lot of songs that don't say anything. I mean, it's just true and they're they're going to make some money, but they're just not saying anything. And I think as songwriters, as people who are put in charge of helping people pray, like what if we help people pray some bold prayers? Not just like, I, I. okay, love me through this. I wrote a song. My question is, what is being said here? It's called the nothing song. And if you use some of these lines in your last song, I'm sorry. You probably should. Some of these lines are really great by themselves, but okay, I'm gonna shut up. I'm surrounded by your grace and your kindness. You died upon the cross for my gain. You paid the debt for all my sin and blindness. I'm free, now I'm free. Your love is all I need. Your love has set my heart free. You hold me in the darkest part of me. Your grace is all I seek. Your love has set my heart free. You hold me, so your love is all I see. You hold me. I just said a whole bunch of cool Christian crap. I mean, some of those are great lines. And then was like, that is awesome that he holds me. But like, Really? I mean, my daughter could have written that. She's actually an amazing songwriter, eight, ten, and it's really cute. But, like, we can say things different. We can say things in a way that aren't just so bland and plain. And I think the more that we fight for that stuff, like, Jenny, she is a lyric genius. And she fights for stuff. I love when writers, you know, in this song we wrote today, I, you know, we pounded that sucker out. And then the next run through, it's more about like, okay, let's really figure out what are we really saying? What are we really inviting people into? What are we really inviting people to pray? Because we could just write songs all day long. And some songs that I write with other people, it's like, well, we just did that one. We finished that one. And it didn't really say that much, but we did it. You know, chalk it up. Here's, I'll give it to the label and they'll do something with it. But I, I th- for me, I'm the guy who wants to fight for something that's like, going to change people and invite people into a bigger view of Jesus. Does that make sense? And that, maybe that's just my mantle, and that's wonderful. I ask this question often to songwriters and to worship leaders, actually. What are we doing as songwriters? So I'm going to ask you that question. What are we as songwriters doing? Like, what are we actually doing? Connecting with people. Connecting with people? Great. Trying to be an example of what worship is supposed to look like. Give me a little more on that. Maybe in a corporate setting, let's say you have a new... Like someone who doesn't know Jesus. And when you write a song with the intention of showing them what an intimate relationship with Jesus yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah, so it's teaching. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, what else? What else are we doing?
0: Leading them into worship.
1: Through the songs that we write. So, yeah, we're giving them a prayer. Right. To pray, yeah. Which means like having somebody think or feel... Something that they would have felt otherwise. Yeah. Think about it in a different way, a yeah. gender perspective. Totally. I mean, these are pretty powerful things that we get to do. And sometimes we forget that. I, I think we forget this in, in this town sometimes that this is really what we're doing. Is we're actually doing these things instead of just writing another song or and it's just a different perspective to come from and to walk into a writing room with. I asked this, what's the benefit of our songs? What do you think? I mean, we kind of said some of them. Yeah. I think yeah, what I was saying, changing other people, I think for me, a lot of times I have my own paradigm shift. Like, you're dealing with something yourself, and you say something to God, and you're like, I need to deal like with You are talking about like surrendering. yeah, You wrote a song that will end up changing the way that you think about it. Totally. You're writing for somebody else, I'm going to change other people. And then God's like, no, this one's for you. Yep. <laughs> people aren't good at reading and learning, but some people are good at listening and learning. So if you write a song that's you know, scripture-based, the benefit might be that that person has an easier time recalling the scripture that might help them through or bring them to yeah. a certain place. I wrote down theology. It's just It helps us understand God together. There's a benefit. Unity is huge. When we get to agree together on something, that's like cray-cray, right? Giving words and melodies to people's prayers. We're giving them lament. There's an old song My eyes are dry, my faith is old, my heart is hard, my prayers are cold. I know how I ought to be alive to you and dead to me. So what can be done for an old heart like mine? Soften it up with oil and wine. The oil is you, your spirit of love. Please wash me anew in the wine of your blood. I mean, come on with that. Try singing that on Sunday morning. Pastor will like fire you so quick. But that's like, that has changed my life. That honest prayer that Keith Green wrote has changed my life. Because I'm like, oh, I can pray honest prayers. I don't have to just do the nothing song of like you died for me hallelujah, which is wonderful. I'm, I love that he died for me, but like yeah. there's something there, right? He just he did something for me in that song. This bald nerd up here own that song. Strike that, I own that prayer. Okay, just for fun, you know the song Come Thou Fount. What is the one part that everybody gets most excited about singing? Lyrically. The, here's my heart to conceal it. Yeah, what's well, right before that? Oh, prone to wander,
0: Lord, I feel it. Like
1: prone to I mean, do you know how loud the congregation gets on prone to wander? Why? Because everybody is owning their prayer. They want to own that sucker. They do own that because we're like, yes! Finally, somebody said something other than Ebenezer and I get it. Like, I, it is like, that is my heart's cry. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. So here's my heart. I mean, it's like, that's, Amazing. So we could keep writing cool little songs or we could write things that are part of a revolution in inviting people to own their response to Jesus. This is just a question for you and I'd, I'd encourage you to write this down because I think we have to keep checking each other and ourselves in this. Where does your motivation come from in writing songs? Now we could have a real cool, there's probably a few motivations. One of my heroes would always talk about us as being, we're like estuaries, there's it's where clean water and salt water mix. And that's sometimes the most fertile ground is in estuaries. And there are parts of me that there are great motivations as I'm writing a song. And then there are other parts of me that's like, uh-oh, you got to write that on your wrist again, Timmons, right? It's not about your kingdom. But I think it's just good for us to like, remember and ask ourselves, what is the motion ba- motivation? Where's our motivation coming from? And it's really a war of kingdoms. I'm going to write that song at some point, but it's a war of kingdoms. It's a war from about the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of God is best for the kingdom of God or what the kingdom of Tim is, you know, it creeps It creeps in. is all I'm saying. Does the church need another song? Does the church need your song? I usually ask, them, but I'll, I'll just say yes. I think that the church needs new songs. And remember the church is surely not a building. That's the dumbest church in the whole world because it's powerless. But does the church need your song? It's just a good question. As we're writing songs, it's like, okay, does the church need to pray this song? Or is this just, does that make sense? It's just, these are good like little gauges, I think, for us to be working through. Okay, what songs move you in your life or now? And why? Just think of a song that like moves you We're hearing prayers that you guys are owning. Each of you have something in your mind right now that you had to own. That's why it's so powerful to you. And I think, I mean, this is the same with worship leaders or songwriters for Jesus stuff, is Jesus, he was inductive. He was not deductive. Deductive is when I tell you something about God. Inductive is me inviting you to own this thing about God through your own life lens deductive is me just saying, God is good. And everybody's like, all the time, you know, high fives, right? We start singing this God is good, whatever song. I guarantee you that if I stopped and said at some point, okay, each of you guys, actually for right now, stop really quick what you're doing. Look at me, close your eyes. Why would you say that God is good right now? Just think about it. Why would you today, tonight in this room say that God is good? Just think about that. Now, if we stood up and sang that, would you own it? Would you own saying, God, you're good? If we said, great is thy faithfulness, you would own the crap out of that. But a minute ago, you were just singing along, right? How do we write songs that help people own this prayer? That's big. Keith Green did it to me with that song. I have a song called Cast My Cares. And the verse is, in the middle of the night when worry finds me in the middle of the fight when strength is gone, in the middle of the fire when fear is closing in. I mean, who hasn't had those experiences in the middle of the night when worry finds them, right? Anybody can hear that and go, oh, I've been there. That's what the, each of these songs like is connecting with you because you've owned it. So for me as a songwriter, especially in this space, I'm saying, how are we helping people own their prayers? Now, you don't get to own it because you're writing it. But... Not everybody's coming from the same place that you're coming from, but we all feel the same fear, that makes sense. I go through the who, but I'm gonna skip that. Who's the audience and who are the participants in each of these songs? I think about that when I'm sport writing, who's the audience? You know, we've got to know the first person, who am I writing this to? That's all that stuff. But like, who's hearing this and how are we writing to help them? So that's why I love the question, what do your, if you're writing worship songs, what do your people need to pray? really thinking about the who. So I was a communication major. And, you know, in real estate, they say, the three main words in real estate are location, 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 right? And I think in communication, the three words are audience, audience, audience. Like, we got to know who we're actually doing this to, inviting into something. There's something there. Okay, and the how, I had a friend years ago that I, I let him hear my first record. His name is Fernando Ortega. He's like this amazing hymn singer and writer and oh my gosh and I grew up under him and so I had him hear my first record and guys that record is T for terrible is what it is and just I mean these like abstract thoughts and nobody would know any I mean they could not even like grasp any of these things because they're so lofty and like but I was like oh but did you get the subtlety with the dig and wig I mean did you get it and it's like Well, I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, you know, it was just so classic, nerdy songwriter guy. But he said, don't ever tell anybody that I told you this, so I'm telling you that he told me this. (laughs) He said, Tim, these are good. He said, but don't try to write hooks, but write hooks. I was like, don't try to write hooks, but write hooks. I don't know what the heck you're talking about. And he started like, kind of going into things. He's like, basically, he went into one of my songs and said, this little thing right here, that one little part, that's a hook. Like that part, if you kept helping me with that, I'd sing that over and over and over. And I was like, oh, okay. And I started seeing this and started thinking, how important would that be? I always thought it was selling out, but writing hooks, you know? But how important do we want to get these prayers to stick in people's minds? And in our group, we were listening to a song right before. And man, you know what, guys? The pre-chorus was killer. I mean, whatever the song was, it was like, oh my gosh. That thing, I would just sing that in my head over and over and over. It was so good. The verse was like, I was so bored during that verse. There was nothing there. It was just, it was. It seemed to me a waste because he could have or she could have hooked me in and given me something to hold on to, even with my heart, or melodically in that verse, but there was nothing there. But then the pre-chorus came and the thing was like on fire and the chorus was great. But I'm just a huge fan of trying to find a hook everywhere. Like I wanna fill that song with more hooks, great hooks. And if there's a good one, then use it again. You know, I mean, I'm like really, really adamant about that with songwriters. Cause I think I hear songs from people all the time. People send me stuff, and I go, sure, sure, if you want. I mean, I'll give you my honest opinion, but it's just my opinion, too. It's not like gospel. But I think Christian critique is the worst critique in the world because everybody's like, that is so good. And I think if you had somebody with, realistic they'd be go no, it's not that good. This little part is really good. This little piece that you did at the end of the chorus, dude, figure that thing out and keep like figuring out why that worked and go. So don't try to write hooks to sell out and to sell more records, but write hooks everywhere. If you listen to any song that's really doing well on the radio, everywhere there are hooks all over the thing, melodically and lyrically. Here's just some songwriting personal inventory prompts if you want to write these down. What is Jesus inviting you into in this past season? What did he invite you into in this past season? Next, what are you learning about him, yourself, and your community in the midst of it? That was all number one. Number two, what do you need to pray and what does your community need to pray? Number three, make time to practice. Guys, I practice all the time. I practice my butt off. I am like always writing songs. Now, they're not always good, but I'm always practicing, always. And I'll go into my studio and I will just... (laughs) I'll write track after track and melody after melody and 80% of the things that I practice will never come to anything. But when the time comes, I'm that much more prepared to be great. Think about jazz musicians. The most prepared jazz musician, the guy who knows his chops the best, is the most able to ad lib, right? I think it's similar with, with songwriting. I know a few guys that don't songwrite much and they've written one like crazy great song. It's like, wow, how'd you do that? And everything else is just, you know, not. It's just because awesome, thank you, Jesus, or luck, or whatever, however that works. But the more that we're practicing and putting practice into your week, into the rhythms of your life, I think the other stuff will start even rising, if you will. Last one is be listening all around you. Lines and songs, books, speakers, conversations. Which you guys are probably already doing. But I think those are just good little inventory pieces for us as songwriters to be checking on things and really trying to write something that matters, you know? Yeah. Any last thoughts? Yeah. Uh, more, more of a question. Any advice you give to, I, I know you said uh, you, you give up your kingdom first. And I, and I love that mindset. And I, I always thought of it I couldn't think of it in the words. Yeah. But regardless, someone who's still trying to get to get in there or to yeah. make it, to, to transition to getting it to full time, just any advice you think Yeah, so you know my answer for the core of where everything comes from. And if that's not right, then you're screwed either way. So good luck. You might totally be successful, but I don't think you'll be successful in your heart. And there are plenty of guys that are really successful, but I think they're a mess. And that's not an arrogant statement. That's just the truth. Like, I, you know, I know that about me at certain points in my life. I'm like, man, this guitar was made to play in tune, right? It's like the beauty of this guitar is when it's in tune. But when it's not the thing doesn't actually work the way it was intended to work. And I think that's us is trying to be tuned. So that's why I keep talking about the core is like, be tuned. Then we can actually lean into the other stuff. I think you can get yourself in the right spots. Being here is awesome. Writing with great writers and trying to figure stuff out. And I started coming to Nashville and just started writing with people and had some terrible co-writes in the very beginning, you know, for a long time. And I just kept doing it and kept doing it. And then I realized that I'm going to keep doing it because I'm going to keep writing songs. I love writing songs. But the outcome's no longer up to me. I think when we literally live with the outcome not being up to us, then we're free to do almost anything because that's where we get all messy and worry starts coming in because you're the king of your kingdom all of a sudden. You're like, man, I got to help Jesus get me signed. I mean, it sounds so funny. It's, it, it sounds so funny, but I lived that most of my life until eight years ago when I'm like, I'm done. I'm going to keep writing songs and working on my craft and putting them in front of people if I can, but the outcome's up to him. Oh, my gosh. You can't get any more freeing than that. It's the best. And everybody around you will go like, oh, that guy's kind of beautiful. Not because he's bald, but like there's something about you that is not striving. So outcomes. Outcomes are huge. Work hard. Write great songs. And I'll just end with this, that I have something I started a little while ago, it's called 10,000 Minutes. So I blog every week and it's 1000minutes.com. And the point is there are 10,080 minutes in a week, just trust me. And 80 of those minutes are generally spent in the church gathering, which is awesome. But there are 10,000 other minutes during the week. And as a songwriter, I'm trying to figure out how do I write songs that are helping people in the 10,000 minutes of the week? Not just as we gather, but I think when we gather together, like right here, we get to practice surrender. When we gather as, as the church, member, you can't go to church biblically. It's not even biblical to go to church. It's who we are when we gather. When we gather for 80 minutes, we get to practice going, okay, I surrender. We're gonna sing some of these songs that we just wrote tonight. We say, I surrender. We're practicing it in a safe place. Then all of a sudden you walk out those doors, you have 10,000 minutes until you gather again. So how do we practice Jesus all week long? He says at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, whoever hears my words and puts them into practice all week long is wise. If you don't, you're just kind of foolish. And so, if you guys want to check that out, that's probably the thing that I think Jesus keeps waking me up to invite people into, even more than um, music for me is a vehicle. It's not my point, it's a great vehicle to get me in the door to invite people into a, a bigger reality about Jesus. So, thanks, you guys.
0: Hey everyone, this is X O'Connor, and you've been listening to the Full Circle Music Show, the why of the music biz. This show is produced by the Full Circle Music Company with editing help from Jordan Salamoni. And if you want to find out more about events like the ones you just heard Tim speak from, make sure you head on over to FullCircleGoesLive.com and register for our mailing list. Also, follow us on Instagram at officialfcmusic. Music. That's going to keep you up to date on everything going on in the Full Circle Music world. And yeah, We'd love to see you out at some events in the future. There's great learning experiences. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, we've got a lot of big things happening in 2018. We're very excited about towards the end of January. We're reaching our 100th episode. We've got a very special episode planned and some big changes coming to the show that we think you're all going to love. So if you're on YouTube, make sure to subscribe. Leave us a like. Leave us some comments. If you're on iTunes, make sure to subscribe as well. Leave us a rating and a review. We'd love to hear from you. We always are looking to make the show better. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Again, hopefully everyone had a very Merry Christmas yesterday, and we're looking forward to seeing you all next week.